Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. After the Apostle Paul writes about how all have sinned and we can't do anything to save ourselves, after he writes about the salvation that God provides as a free gift through Jesus dying on the cross for us and our faith in Him, after he writes and tells us that, that God marvelously takes us from our sin when we trust Christ and adopts us and puts us into His family, sets us apart, sanctifies us to Himself, after he writes and tells us that God is a sovereign God that will always keep His promises to us. Never ever take back His promise of, of salvation. After all those things, Paul begins to write about the obligation that we have as Christians to serve God. That's what all the last section of Romans is about, from chapter 12 through chapter 16. As we entered into chapter 12, Paul more or less tells us this. He, he tells us that in light of what Jesus has done for us, we ought to present our, our bodies, which is really just saying, God, I'm, I'm presenting my life, I'm presenting myself, to be a living sacrifice. God, here I am. And he tells us we need to change the way we think, to let God transform our, our minds by His Word. And by doing so, that helps us figure out what God's will is. And then he tells us we actually need to do more than just say, God, here I am. <laughs> to say, God, change my mind. To say, God, I want to know what your will is. He actually tells us we need to do it. The, the verses that we look at today talk about how you as a believer and I as a believer, those of us that know Christ as our Savior, is how, how we ought to be functioning members of the body. And, and that phrase body is used in, in the Bible to talk about the church. It's a picture of the church. The process kind of takes place like, like this. Um, the pattern is we respond to God's mercies. In other words, because Jesus died for us and through Him we can receive everlasting life, we Respond to that by saying, God, here's my body. That's your first step. And then the second step is saying, God, I, I transform my mind, even the way that I think. And, and the third step is, is to, through all that process there, you're discovering what God's will is. And then, as I said a moment ago, it's, it's to do it. We're, we're to carry out God's will as we function as a member of His body. The Bible tells us when we receive Christ as our Savior, uh, God puts us into His body. He places us into the body of Christ. And just like our human bodies have various functions, the parts of our body. I mean, our hands are meant for one thing, our feet for something else, our eyes, and so forth, our ears. Just as our, our body has specific purposes, in the same way, the church, the body of Christ, those of us who are in it, we make up His body and, and we have specific purposes. 
When, when you think of a body, the, the, the head kind of communicates to the rest of the body what you're supposed to do. And, and biblically, Jesus Christ is called in regards to the body. What is Jesus? He's the head. And that tells me that the head, Jesus, ought to dictate to us the body exactly how we ought to function, how we ought to, to serve Him. That's what we're going to be trying to discover this morning. We're going to look at some, what I think, some pretty strategic information about how you and I can be functioning members of the body of Christ, His church. If you're following along in, in the updates, there's a place inside there where you can follow along, take notes if you so desire. But uh, here's, here's your first fill in the blank. Here's the first strategic bit of information he gives us about being a functioning member of the body of Christ, part of the church. We can be functioning members of the body by finding out what our purpose is, by finding out what your purpose is, by finding out how God made you, how God has wired you, how God ha has gifted you. Paul writes in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has, has assigned. He, he's telling us that God has made us a particular way. God has gifted us. And, and we need to figure out what that is. See, in verse 1 and 2, he talked about personal dedication to God. And now he's pretty much saying that, that we need to go beyond this personal dedication and, and have an honest evaluation of how God has made us. Because for you to find fulfillment and for you to be effective serving in the body of Christ, God didn't intend everybody to be able to do everything. God, God has gifted people in specific ways and he has a purpose for your life, an intention for your life. And we need to figure out what that is by, by evaluating our, our lives. We're, we're called not only to salvation by God's grace, but see, we're also called by God's grace to serve Him. Yes, we're saved by grace because we can't earn it. We can't deserve it ourselves. But that's also true of the way God gifts us, the way God wants to use us, the way God calls us to serve us, because He, he doesn't necessarily dispense out His spiritual gifts to us because we deserve it or we're so wonderful. He does it based upon His own will and His own purpose. Think about Paul for a moment. Paul says, for by the grace given to me. Now, now Paul is serving in the capacity that God's given him, Paul was saved by God's grace. He's been put in the ministry by God's grace. He's writing some instruction to the church by, by the grace of God. But the Apostle Paul was not saved because he deserved to be saved. Neither is he serving in the capacity that he is in because he deserved it. Remember who Paul was? Paul was hunting Christians down to carry them off to be put in prison and to be killed. So it's not like God is sitting in heaven saying, Man, Paul, you're, by your actions, you have impressed me so much, I want to use you. It's in spite of who Paul was that God saved him. And it's in spite of who Paul was that God called him to, to serve. It was based upon the, the, the grace of God that he is called to serve. And you see, the same thing is true of us. God doesn't call us to serve him. And say, it's because you're so wonderful. 
it, many times it's completely in spite of what we may be that God wants to give gifts to us, spiritual gifts to us, so we can use it in a way that, that glorifies Him. Paul is, is saying it's completely by, by God's grace, and we need, to, we need to, honestly, we're saved by grace. That's what it tells us in Ephesians 2. But we also are to serve by grace, because the verse we're looking at says, according to the measure of faith. Later on in verse 6, it says, according to the grace given to us. God saves us by His grace, and He, and he calls us to serve Him by grace. And, and the reason that might be significant for you, it takes away your excuse because if God calls you, He will gift you and He will do it out of His grace. It's not because who you think you are or who you are not. He, he's telling us that we need to honestly evaluate. We're called not only to salvation and service by God's grace, but Paul is saying that, that you and I as believers, we are called upon to honestly evaluate our giftedness and then serve in the capacity that he gifted us. He, he said, I say, and, and that phrase means he's really laying out a, a discourse, an argument. He's not just talking to be talking, so it's really important what he's saying. He said, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. A lot of times we read that, and, and I've heard people use it in this way, and, and it's not necessarily out of context to, to completely say this, because we are to be humble. We shouldn't go around prideful. You know, we shouldn't be building ourselves up and think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. But that's not the context directly that Paul's talking about here. Paul is talking about in terms of serving God, in terms of what capacity I serve Him in, I need to evaluate who I am, how He's made me. I don't need to think more highly of myself than I ought to when it comes to God using me or how God wants to place me in ministry. Instead, I need to honestly evaluate, and you need to honestly evaluate how God has made you and then, and then serve Him in that, in that area. Look, look at the next, next slide. That applies to every Christian because He said, I say to everyone among you. Now, now please get that because... Over the whole course of the time I've been in the ministry, I run into people all the time who will say, well, yeah, that person can serve God, and this person can serve God, and you might can serve God, but I just don't have any gifts. Now, that might be how you feel. But what the Bible says is this. Every Christian has been gifted in some way. He, he's writing to everyone, each and every person. Man, every time I come across the word everyone in the Bible, I always try and look it up because I'm trying to find an out, you know? Maybe it don't apply to me. You ever do that? I'm sorry, it applies to all of us. Because I looked it up and it means all, any, everyone, the whole. And it even means in a fixed position. When he says among you, he's saying that, that every Christian has been placed in a fixed position in the body of Christ. And we need to figure out how he's made us. Figure out our purpose and get busy doing something for him. It's something that applies to every Christian. But it's something that also requires evaluation, like I said, a a moment ago, when he said not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but have sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I don't want to spend a lot of time on these word studies, but just to where you get in your mind what he's saying, don't overthink about yourself. Don't, don't build yourself up. You know, don't, as you think about yourself, exercising the mind uh, about your own uh, self. Don't be over-opinionated about who you are and what you ought to be doing. 
He, he said, instead, you need to have sober judgment. You need to have some sanity uh, about the way you are evaluating yourself. In, in other words, if you're saved one day and you expect to be the next Billy Graham the next day, that's kind of insane, isn't it? You, you need to honestly evaluate each person. Once again, he says, each and every believer. Look at the next slide. According to the, the measure... Or how God apportioned it out, how God allotted out spiritual gifts based upon the faith that you have in Christ. It said that He has assigned, God has assigned purposes for us, gifts for our lives. And, and we get our word meter from it. It simply means a measure. God has measured out to every believer, all believers, He has measured out some level of spiritual gift. Some purpose that you have, some gift that you can use in serving God, in, in glorifying Him. We need to honestly evaluate what our giftedness is so we can serve Him in how He dictates, not how we dictate to ourselves. See, this would really, if you think about how practical it is, I mean, one... one the practical matter is this, if, and I'll deal a lot more with this in a moment, but if every member of every church was doing exactly how God had gifted them, man, how effective we would be. But you know what it would also guard against in a lot of churches? People getting jealous about, well, this person gets to do this, and this person gets to do that, and that person gets to do this over here, and I'm not getting to do those kind of things. Maybe you need to understand God's called you to do this. God's called them to do this. God has called them to do this over here. And there's no reason to be jealous because God wired you to do what He wants you to do. That saved a lot of conflict I've seen in, in churches before. And I've seen jealousy between organists and pianists because, well, uh, I want to play the organ and they're making me play the piano. I, I mean, all kinds of things happen like that. Or this person gets to be a deacon and I don't get to be a deacon. All kinds of things that can happen in, in the confines of, of church because people get prideful. And instead of being prideful, what we need to do is just say, God, how did you purpose me? God, what is, what is your intent in, in my life? See, if, if, someone, if someone is called by God to proclaim the gospel, to, to preach, to be a, to be a pastor, uh, there will be some degree of giftedness that the church will be able to see. Uh, to, to illustrate that, recently we just uh, licensed Adam Triplett, Daryl's son, to the gospel ministry. We did that based upon having observed Adam and even hear Adam speak several times. In other words, we did not just say, you know what, we kind of like Adam pretty good, so we think we're going to just license him into the ministry. Th that's not the approach. The approach is that we are to view and understand how he is gifted, and, and then based upon his gifts, we feel like, yeah, we, we think he's been called into the ministry. So that's why we license him. If, if someone has the ability to sing or lead worship, see, everybody won't have all the same gifts. Everybody cannot play a guitar and sing like John. I'm doing what I'm doing right now for a reason. To be honest with you, I would love to be able to get up and play the guitar and sing sometime, but you would not call it worship. <laughs> Thank you for that belayed comment. Wished I knew for sure who it was, and I would include them in an illustration right now. <clears throat> oh, 
Thank you. Thank you. I'll try and work that in for, for John. <laughs> but, it, but if someone, I mean, so, somebody might not can do those things, but you can have this great personality and smile and, and be hospitable and greet people as they come in the door and make them feel like they're special. Or you can be someone that doesn't mind freezing to death in the wintertime and be out in the parking lot and help people actually find a place to park so they can come in and worship. Or you can be someone that has the ability to teach, whether it be children or lead a small group, whatever it is. I'm just trying to say you need to figure out how God has wired you, how, how, how God has made you. And you need to evaluate it in, in an honest way to discover what our, what our purpose is. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, I wish I had a way to find that out. I'm glad that you asked that. Next month, on Saturday, March the 23rd, we're going to offer all three levels of our membership class. And we've not done this in a while because we've been kind of busy with other things and, and busy doing membership 101. And Membership 101, if you don't understand what that is about, Membership 101 is for you if you're someone that's just visiting Day 3 Church and you've been coming for a while and you kind of feel like it's your church, but you're not fully bought in and you'd like to find out more about what it means to be a member of the church, that's Membership 101 and that's what I will teach. Membership 201 is a class that you take after having gone through Membership 101 to become a member of the church. And Membership 201 will help you discover how to grow spiritually. It will deal with how to study the Bible, how, how to pray, and, and various things like that. And, uh, and, and John uh, Lewis, John our worship pastor, John will be teaching that class. Membership 301 deals with discovering what your ministry is. And there's this thing that's called a shape profile that we also have not done in a while. And, and what I'm trying to say is this. We want to start from now on as much as often. Every time we do membership one-on-one, we also want to offer at the same time 201 and 301 to help you progress through. To where you don't just become a member of the church and you don't understand how to study your Bible and how to pray. Where you don't just become a member of the church and you can't figure out maybe how you're wired and how you ought to do something. And, and how you ought to serve. Normally, we would require someone to go through 201 before they take 301. This first time around, we're not going to do that because we've got a pretty good backlog of some of you that's been through 101, and everybody probably can't go to 201 at the same time. So we're going to let you decide to go to 301 if that's what you would like to take. And to help you sign up for that, the little orange card, that connection card that we'll ask you to put in the basket at the end of the service, there's a place to the right-hand side on the back of it to where you can say you want to take 101, which means you want to discover what it means to become a member of Day 3 Church, or you feel like you need some more information that can help you grow spiritually, so you want to sign up for 201, or you're someone that wants to figure out how God has shaped you, how God has made you, and you want to sign up for 301 because you want to figure out how you can better fit in to the ministry of our church. That word shape is an acronym. S stands for spiritual gifts. And like I said a moment ago, the Bible clearly says everybody has a spiritual gift. You might not know what it is yet, but you have one. H stands for your heart or your passion. Because you see, we need to also figure out what you'll be passionate about because you won't stay with it if you're not passionate about it. 
A stands for abilities. And abilities, that's different than spiritual gifts because abilities can be something that's acquired, that you have learned through education. It's not necessarily a spiritual gift or something you do at work. Maybe you've got a gift in running computers and you can work up there in the worship team. Or, or maybe you've got a, a, a gift in, in finances. We just recently had someone to come to our membership class who you know is an accountant. So I'm thinking, well, duh, just maybe, maybe they ought to help on a finance team, you know, because that's an ability that, that the person has. P stands for personality, and you might be wondering, why does personality enter into it? Here's kind of how. If you kind of like to teach, and you think teaching would be fulfilling for you, but you hate children, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to put you teaching children. Because the kids are going to figure out, that person don't like me, and you're not going to stay with it very long because you will not be fulfilled in doing something that your personality doesn't suit at all. E stands for your experiences. Both your good and your bad. Because sometimes we delude ourselves into believing that God can only take our good. I'm going to tell you something. He can take our bad. And you read it all through the Bible. And He takes the bad in people's lives. And He uses it. And He transforms it into something glorious for Himself. God can take your good, bad, and ugly experiences in life and use it all. And all that kind of fits together to help you understand who you are. And how God has made you. And maybe how you can better serve Him. So that's why we're offering those classes. So I'm going to ask you even now maybe to think about what you want to sign up for. Put it in the basket when it comes by. See, there's nothing wrong with evaluating yourself, looking at yourself and saying, how can I serve? What, what is wrong is for a person to wrongly evaluate themselves and try and serve in a way that God has never called them to because that does damage to ministry instead of enhanced ministry. But now the flip side of it is true. Because some people will over-evaluate what they can do. Some people under-evaluate what they can do. And they'll just kind of resign and say, well, man, I'm, I'm not gifted. I can't do anything. When the opposite is really true. You can do something for Jesus Christ. So don't under-evaluate yourself either. So, so that's the first important thing that, that Paul's trying to tell us this morning about you and I being functioning members of the body of Christ is simply this. You need to find out your purpose, how God made you, how God wired you. Secondly, after you find out your purpose, you need to find out what your place is. If you're going to be a functioning member of the body, you need to find out your place. It's not enough just to know this is how God made me. You need to know that, and then you need to find a place to do it. You need to find how you fit in to the body of Christ. He, he goes on in verse 4 and 5, and he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not. And by the way, I, I put in parentheses because in the Greek, he's using the absolute negative. So what he's saying is this, And, and the members absolutely do not all have the same function. Now, now think about how, how wonderful that really is. Because he's using the human body as an illustration. What if every member of your body had the same function? What, what if, how, how fulfilling would it be in your life for you to have to go around and try and pick stuff up with your eyeball? It's going to be pretty painful, isn't it? And instead of picking something up with with your hand. So I, I'm personally glad all the members of my body don't have the same function. 
I'm not going to go there. That's not God. That's, that's my flesh side wanting to get into something. We've got some bodily functions you wouldn't want your head to do. Amen? So he's, he's telling us that even though we're, we're in one body, all of us make up the body of Christ, each and every believer. But all of us don't have the same purpose or function. So, so we, though we're many, many different members, many different individuals, we're still one in the body of Christ. And individually, we're, we're members of one another. We, we might have different purposes, but we're in the same body and we're interconnected together. Just like my body's connected together. Like your body is, is connected together. That, that's the way the, the church is. Each and every part of our body is, is important. When you were saved, you were put in the, in the body of Christ, and each and every member of the church is important and has a role to play or a function that they can, can carry out. Specific things that God has equipped them to do. Just like I, my hands have a purpose, my feet have a purpose, my eyes have a purpose, my nose has a purpose, and that's true of you also in the church. Each and every member of the church has a purpose. Paul also addressed this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. So give us a little bit of added context just to read through these verses. So just read along with me because it, it is, you know, several verses. For, for as, just as the body is one, it has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. In other words, so it is with His body, the church. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now you ought to also be thankful for that, because it would be a little bit weird if your whole body were an eyeball. And if you meet somebody coming down the street and it's a eyeball rolling down the street and that's all the person is, it would look a little bit weird, wouldn't it? The problem with a lot of churches is they look a little bit weird because everyone's trying to do something somebody else ought to be doing instead of doing what they have been equipped to do and called to do themselves. And it gives a misperception of what the church really looks like. And, and he said, if, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. God, God is placing people into the church with the gifts that He gives them as He chooses, as He desires. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on the unpresentable parts uh, are treated with greater modesty, uh, which, are, which are more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now to boil that down, he basically said this, we while we are different members with different gifts, we need each other and we're connected together. You understand that? Just like I need all the elements of my body for it to be a normal functioning body, we need each other for the church to be all that it is supposed to be. We need, we need each other so much that he even told us if one suffers, we're to suffer with that one. If, if one is, is rejoicing, we're, we're to also rejoice with that individual. I, 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 I didn't say this in the first service because I didn't think to, and I hadn't even thought about it this week, but, but God kind of lays it on my mind right now, and it's something I think needs to be said, and, and that is this. We can't suffer with you, and we can't rejoice with you if you don't let us into your life. And, and, and I've had some experiences over the course of the ministry where some people have gone through maybe tragic set of circumstances and because they're wanting to be really private about it instead of bringing it to the body where the body can hurt with them see that's biblical that's what God tells us to do and all, all I am is, is letting you know I guess no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing we're supposed to love you and we're supposed to care for each other, but we can't do that if people aren't transparent. We can't do that if people aren't willing to say, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm not looking for any tragedies in my life and neither are you, but I, I, if, I, I think I, I really, if I know myself at all, I think if I had a major tragedy happen this week, I, I'm going to be here on this stage, if I don't preach that week, I'm going to be here letting you know how much I hurt and how much I need your help and how much I love you. That's biblical. That's what we're called to do in, in the Bible. That's, that's a side <laughs> rabbit that I felt like I needed to run right there. We need each other, but here's the deal. God desires all Christians functioning in their place as He has gifted us as part of His body. Now, a lot of people talk about the universal body or the universal church, and that's true. There is a universal body and a universal church. But there are somewhere around 112 references to the church in the New Testament, and almost all of them are talking about a local body of believers. So, so that means you and I sort of thinking, how can I function because I'm part of the universal church, we need to think of it in these terms. How can I function in the local church? How has God made me? How has God wired me? What are the gifts that God has given me? And then we need to find our place to serve within the local church. Because here's the deal with that. If everyone who is a member of a local church, if they are not finding out what their purpose is, and getting in a place to use that purpose, then the church is not all that it should be or all that it could be. Because we're missing parts of the body. 
to illustrate that just a little bit, when I, the year that I turned 40, and uh, that's been a few years, <laughs> but the year that I turned 40, I was playing on the church softball team. I'm not sure if some of you were there, I had people in the first service that were there, uh, I may have this one too, but uh, we were playing at Lenore Community, that was at the church I was going Two, I was pastoring, but that's where they had a softball tournament taking place. So we were playing, and uh, when, when I was when I was forty, uh, I, I was still pretty fast for a forty-year-old. I'll brag a little bit, uh, and all. I was on second base. They waved me home. As I'm coming home, it had rained earlier that day. The field was muddy. I had mud on my cleats. The catcher on the other team was sitting pretty much on home plate. I mean, he didn't sit all the way down, but he was he was down like this covering the whole plate. I thought maybe there's going to be a play at the plate, but the ball was out in the outfield. So I'm thinking, what is he there for? And I thought, well, I'm a pastor. I don't want to run up and knock him down. So I thought, well, I'll do this. I'll just run in and I'll sidestep real quick and I'll go by. The problem is when I tried to do that because I had mud on my sleeves, my foot slid, locked up against his hip. The bottom part of my leg was in position against his hip. The upper part of my body kept going. And if they've not changed the backstop at Lenore Community, you can go and see my image on the backstop like this in the wires. And that was the first time in my adult life that I ever felt broken down and old. And I remember hobbling away from the field. I mean, I was doing good enough just to walk, never less to think about running. And I'd go to the hospital, and they x-ray me, and they said they couldn't find anything broken, and it kept swelling up. A few days later, I go to Baptist Hospital, and they look at it, and they say, yep, you got a broke leg. And I'm thinking, I don't know what happened up here. With the x-ray read, but... So for several weeks, I'm sitting down most of the time when I'm trying to preach, and I've got a, a cast on, and well, Gene, you were there, and everything too, but, and, 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 and just kind of hobbling. So I, I, I get finished with that, and then about the time I turn 45, uh, I, I somehow destroy cartilage in this knee, climbing trees to deer hunt or something like that, or just too many years playing basketball, whatever the case is. And this one starts to swell up, and I cannot hardly walk around or anything else. So I have to have surgery, and I go through the same thing. So the only reason I'm telling that story is through both of those times, I, I was not what I could have been because of my injury, because I had parts of my body that wasn't functioning. Now, now here's the illustration. The church is not what it could be. The, the church, in fact, is not what it should be. When some people are not filling their position as God has gifted them to serve God because of what Jesus has done for them in the body of the church. And I'm not talking about people that just don't show up. I'm talking about people that come every week and sit and have a position and they're, and they're in a seat and they're there, but they, they're still stopping short 
of saying, God, you must have made me for something more than this. God, there, there's things that, that you must want me to do for you. God, there's some gifts that you've given me. I want to know what those are. And then, God, I want to find the place in that church that I can use those. And if that happens, if each and every church would have each and every member discovering their purpose and doing what God called them to do, man, the impact we can make. How much more effective the church would be if, if that were to be the, the case. It, it's also kind of like this. And uh, I'll tell you more about these puzzle pieces in a moment. But it's, it's kind of like a puzzle. And, and until you find all the pieces of the puzzle... The picture that's meant to be portrayed by that puzzle will not be complete. So, the members of, of a church are kind of like pieces of the puzzle. A ministry puzzle. And until all the pieces of the puzzle are in their place, it keeps the church from giving the picture and the image of the body of Christ that we should be given because all the pieces of the puzzle have not been put in place. Does it make sense? Get the picture, get the, the, the illustration from that. See, the church is similar to our, our bodies. Our, our bodies have eyes, ears, fingers, nose, blood vessels, muscles, and they don't all have the same function. And that's the same thing that's true in, in the church. God has placed people in the church with specific talents, specific abilities, and He wants to use them in a particular place. If you want to be a functioning member of the body of Christ, you need to find out what your purpose is. If you want to be a functioning member of the body of Christ, and that's what God's calling you to be, you need to find out your place, but then you also need to do this. You, you need to find out your performance. More than just understanding how God made you and there's a place for you, you need to actually do it. <laughs> you need to actually do it. Look at the next slide. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in the portion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, now in that list, Paul is not giving us an exhaustive list. He's given us a representative list, an illustration. And he talks about seven different ministries. Like I said, there's a lot more than that that you can be involved with, that we ought to be involved with. But he's just giving us an example, an illustration. And the first one is prophecy, which a lot of times we just think of that's someone in the Old Testament uh, telling what's going to happen in the future. But in the New Testament, the word that's used here, and we even get a definition of what it means in 1 Corinthians, really talks about someone proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So the people who are called 
to do that. And they ought to do it. The second type of ministry he mentions is service or ministry. And the word literally means deacon. And it's the same word we get the word deacon from. And it could possibly here be referring to that office of function within the church. And we're in the process of right now because we need more deacons in this church to try and fill out a family ministry plan to assign people to where they have someone to help serve them and minister over them. And uh, uh, if... If you're someone that feels like you may be qualified, come tell me. If you think you might be. And if you're not, I'm, you know, me throwing that out there, that doesn't mean if you come say, I'd like to be a deacon, that means, poof, you're going to be a deacon. That just means we need to evaluate and look at things and see. But instead of referring to the office of deacon, more than likely here, it's just talking about somebody that serves others. And, and when he says, uses the word in, to, to use your service in, in serving or in ministry, it means in a fixed position. In other words, figure out that you're gifted in serving other people and, and do it. If it's teaching, if you're gifted to instruct people in doctrine, it also says do that in a fixed position. Number, number four, he talks about exhorting, and, and the word means just to call somebody near, to comfort them, to, to, to console them, to, to help them. It's the same word that we use to talk about the Holy Spirit of God being our comforter or our paraclete who is beside of us to help defend us in life. There are people within the church that God gives the gift of exhortation or encouraging other people because we need encouragement, don't we? And if you're given the gift to where you can encourage others and exhort them, you, you need to do it. Number five, he mentions, is contributing or giving. And, and that's just talking about simply that, giving financially. And, and to do so in a fixed position with generosity. To, to do so with sincerity, with, with the right motives. Number six, talks about leading. That means to stand before or preside. Also talks about in a fixed position to do it with zeal or eagerness or earnestness. And here he's really talking about the government of the church body. Number seven, he talks about acts of or showing mercy, having compassion upon people with, by your words or by your deeds. He says in a fixed position, do it. And he says do it, by the way, with cheerfulness. Because you know what we do a lot of times? I, I'm going to be merciful and kind to you, but I'm going to begrudge the fact that I had to do it. Instead, we're called upon to be cheerful that we can actually show people mercy and we can serve people and we can love people and we can care for people. But now the point I want you to get is this. I, I already mentioned to you, that's not an exhaustive list of ministry. He's using that as an illustration. The important thing for you to do is not focus on all those seven ministries. The important thing is that he said this in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. What good is a gift if you don't use it? What, what good has God given you abilities and, and, and given you a purpose in your life and there being a place within the church for you to use those gifts if you don't do it? The main point is, let us use 
them. Find out what our purpose is. Find out where our place is. And then get busy and do it. What hinders a majority of churches is, is, is this. Uh, Paul writes this in Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Some believe that should say pastor teachers, the way it's written in the Greek. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry with the building up of the body of Christ. You know what hinders the effectiveness in the ministry of most churches? Too many people in the church have this mentality. Ministry is the pastor's job. Or ministry belongs to the deacons. That's their job. In other words, ministry ought to be done by Pastor Lynn. Ministry ought to be done by Pastor Daryl. Ministry ought to be done by Pastor John. Ken's not officially an ordained pastor, but he serves our youth. So someone can say, well, ministry to our youth ought to be done by Ken. When the truth of the matter is this, all of us make up the body of Christ. And for us to be the most effective church we can be requires everybody, each person, figuring out how God's made them, how God's gifted them, finding their place in ministry, and doing it. My main task here, and that, that's not to say that I don't do ministry. I ought to do it as an example for you. But my main task is this, to equip you to the ministry that God has called you to. And to help you find a way to do it within the body of this church. What would be most effective? Right now we've got three on our staff that are officially ordained ministers. What would make the biggest impact? Three people doing ministry? Or everybody that's right here doing the ministry that God's called them to? I think that answers itself, doesn't it? What would be the bigger impact? In closing, I want to ask you three questions. The band's going to be coming out here in just a second. But I want to ask you three questions that just cover what we've, we've talked about this morning. Question number one is simply this. Why did God make you? Have you ever thought about that? Why are you on the face of this earth? Why was there a day that God allowed you to be born? What's your purpose? And we'd love to help you find out more about that if you'd sign up for those classes. Where's your place? I mean, literally right here in this church, where is your place? What is it that you can do to serve God in this place? Inside the updates, there's a form. Last week we gave you a small slip of paper that just more or less asks you what you're going to bring to the cross. Today in the updates, and there's also copies uh, up here in beside the crosses with pens available to you, but uh, Daryl, who is over our volunteer enlistment ministry and also our children's ministry upstairs, prepared this for us today to have to look at. And I want to encourage you, please, to look at this and evaluate where you fit in and to check any that apply. And if there's something we don't have listed that you think you're interested in, write it off to the side. Put your name on it. And then, in just a moment, while the band is playing, bring it up here to the front.
put it on the cross as your commitment to finding what your purpose is, your place in ministry, and starting to do it. Will you find your performance? Will you find how God has gifted you and do it? As you come forward to put that commitment on the cross, in the boxes that are right at each one of those crosses, there are several puzzle pieces. I want you please to pick one up. And I'm going to ask you to carry it in your pocket for the next week. Wherever you go, take it with you. Take it home at night, lay it down beside your keys, your wallet, your pocketbook, whatever. The next day, pick it up and carry it. And I want this little piece of the puzzle to cause you to ask yourself, to remind you all this week, am I a missing piece of the puzzle? Where do I fit in? What is it that God's calling me to do? Am I a missing piece of the puzzle that God needs at day three church to make day three all that it can be? Let's pray. Father, God, we thank You for saving us. We thank You for Your grace in Your mercy and sending Your Son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, if there's someone in this place today that has never trusted in Jesus Christ, Father, I, I pray right now, You help them to understand that all of us have sinned, and that includes whoever they are. And that none of us can save ourselves. And that their only hope is trusting in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us to pay for our sins on the cross. Father, there's someone here today that needs to make that step of faith. Help them to do that. Father, for those of us that know without any doubt, You've saved us. With clarity, help us to understand our purpose. Help us to evaluate how You've made us. Help us to actively find the place of service of ministry that you want us engaged in. And God, help us to do it. Help us to be the functioning member of your body that you've made us to be. Who ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.